0: He's it, man! Whoa, oh, I can't believe it, Jordan C. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's got to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rusted, that
2: dicky nose. Yeah. <laughs> what about to McCullum? Shane might be trying to shake the sweep one after
1: that first. Might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah. Well, you we caught it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come off
0: Sam's head there. on no, this no, no, guy. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Uh, course for celebration today for, I mean, I think cricket fans Australia-wide. I woke up to the news that it's two years to the day since Virat Kohli last scored a century in any form of cricket. So, absolutely stoked about that and it's made my day 100%. Joining us today for the third episode of the pre-season edition of the podcast is 2019-20 Big Bash Supergates champion, Tomo Aiken. Tomo, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy. Hello, Maxine. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's been a miserable wet week up here in Queensland. And it kind of got me thinking in terms of this year's BBL. How many games could we see rain affected? Um, And I sort of could be a bit more than usual. But even with a bit of rain around, I'm ready for the super coach and the BBL to start.
0: Mate, that uh, prediction of the La Nina or La Nina, whatever you call it, weather pattern coming on over the summer could be a very wet one. And as you said, tactically speaking, that just changes everything in terms of Super Coach. Um, so probably more than any other season. By the sounds, we'll have to look out for those weather forecasts, particularly on the double game rounds, because that changes plenty there. Also joining us is former Super uh, Sydney Sixers media manager, Cricket Australia commentator, Super Coach Gun Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate?
2: Um, well, thanks, Timmy. Tomo, g'day. I'm oh, just listening to your chat and thinking we might soon get the Duckworth-Lewis Eight can
0: happening if we're going to bring in uh,
2: <laughs> any Supercoach predictions into the, the wet weather forecast, but absolutely uh, pleasure to be back and uh, g'day to all the listeners as well.
0: Good to have you, mate. On today's show, we'll be finishing up our previews of all the clubs. We've got the Stars, the Renegades, and the scorches to cover there. Match is going to go into his cheapy analysis. He dropped uh, an updated version of the Bargain Buys article today on the website uh, with a stack of new names cropping up. So key analysis there. Uh, we'll jump into a few listener questions at the end. Guys, we're after a sponsor for the new Big Bash season for the podcast and on the website. So if you did want to jump on and support the site, uh, get in contact with us at supercoachplaybook at gmail.com. Also, we've launched our unlimited group for the season. Our code for that is 764098. Uh, it'll be planted it across the site. Anyway, but jump in there. Take on our on all our contributors, prizes for the upcoming season. The top-ranked subscriber will win a Big Bash game day package for the, up, for the next season, should I say, and a jersey of choice, uh, whoever they go for in the Big Bash. The top-ranked non-subscribed to knock us all off also wins that Big Bash game day package uh, for you and a mate. So get into that and take us on and hopefully get some bragging rights and a bit of a prize for next season. Uh, Subscription, guys, if you want more content from us every single week, access to the Subscriber Special Podcast and plenty more. Uh, $20 for the BBL content, $40 for the NRL, AFL and Big Bash full package. Uh, So check that out if interested. Boys, let's get stuck straight into it. And we'll start with the Melbourne Stars, as we do each and every week. Let's look at the guys. I want to know, Tomo, the blokes you're locking in, the guys you're considering, the guys that you'll be avoiding for this season.
1: Sure thing. Um, I reckon the star side has a lot of potential, and they usually do. They always seem to sign some big names and some big game players. The round three double means, you know, a lot of the players are going to pique our interest, especially in terms of our starting squad. Um, I suppose you've got to start with Maxwell, Um his form in the IPL and the T20 World Cup was pretty solid and one would anticipate that he carries his form into the BBL. He literally can do it with bat ball and in the field. Um, that means he can score big with quite a few scores over 100 last year. Um, he's pricey, but he is pricey for a reason. And you've got to consider if you start him um, in preparation for that double or do you wait for a little bit of, potentially a dip because he can have the occasional shocker, but usually he's a pretty, pretty solid, dependable scorer. If you start with Maxwell, you've got to go with Stoinis next. Um, he hasn't played that traditional all-rounder role for a couple of seasons now, but even as a pure batsman, he builds his innings. He doesn't get too clustered and under the pump if he starts slow. Sometimes at the start of his innings, he doesn't look like he's timing it all that well, but he can just use a bit of strength and power and just muscle that ball to the boundary. Um, If he starts to bowl consistently, he'll be the number one player in the game. Look, I don't think, trying to read the tea leaves, he won't bowl consistently for the stars. I think more for other franchises in Australia is where he's going to do his bowling. But if we see the first star squad before that first game and he looks like bowling, um, that's going to be fantastic for us. Uh, Next one uh, is Adam Zampa. On a personal level i think he might be my favorite current aussie cricketer he's a bit quirky and his stories about him bowling around the northern rivers of new south wales to prepare for the world cup were just outstanding bowling to um i think it was under 19 local cricketers or something like that um it's cut worked because the performance of the world cup were pretty good um he took five wickets against bangladesh and he's usually economical He's versatile, he can bowl at the end of an innings and not all spinners can do that. So he's one you certainly got to consider. And um, Nathan Coulter-Nile, there's always that injury or rest possibility due to his age and his body and a few things like that. But he bowls the right overs he can whack it and act as that professional or potential pinch hitter. He has the ability to go massive. Um, he did take uh, four for 14 in the recent IPL. He's sort of someone I would want in my team for the double, but then there's that slight nag or slight doubt that, you know, he could be rested or miss one of the games. So they're the four stars that I think you've really got to consider them. And then if I'm looking in terms of consider, look, I don't know if Hinchcliffe is going to get a game and starting, um, but if they want to play two spinners early on while they wait for their overseas contingent to come, he could be someone that – can score big and take a few wickets and might work in tandem with Zampa together. And the other one that I just think after the recent news with Australia and Australia A and just injuries and all sorts that are happening, we're going to need some form of cheapie. And I just want to see where A, if he's selected, but B, where he's selected. Joe Burns could be a cheapie with some sort of security. Of course, Joe you need Dern. to see some roll. He can be spasmodic, but <laughs> has done it occasionally for the heat. And look, I don't want to be with some disaster predictions, but we are going to need some cheapies. So I don't think we can be too picky in terms of who we might be able to stick on our bench. So they're the fellas that I'm sort of looking at the stars at
0: the moment. Mate, spasmodic could be the best word ever used on this podcast, <laughs> but Joe Burns, I, the cheapy crop, which we'll get to pretty shortly, it's looking better and better by the day, especially since those Australia A and Australian selections. But, mate, you're dreaming if you reckon Joe Burns in your side.
1: <laughs> well, i have to wait and see. You never want anything out in this sort of game.
0: Yeah, that's fair, mate. You've got the runs on the board. I don't, so I, I won't doubt you. Hey, Maxie, a uh, couple... As I said, they're, they're such a super coach relevant side, the Stars. They are every single season. They've got the double in round three, so I don't think there's too much harm in going a little bit early on them if you're keen on them. Um, who are the guys you're, you're keen on, mate? And I suppose looking at the lineup, I don't think they're going to need to bowl Stoinis too often. There's so many bowling options in that side. I suppose, firstly, do you see the Stoin rolling the arm over very often? Um, because if he does... I think he's pretty close to a must-have and definitely undervalued. But if he doesn't and if he's uh, just a sole batter, it'll make that decision a little bit tougher.
2: Yeah, I think the thing with stoyness is he's got he's really adapted his game um, to BBL cricket and the game plan that the Stars have. Um, those four names that you talked about, Tomo and the Stars, absolutely bang on, but the cast around them um, – a bit of a motley crew, and as such, Stoinis really has a license to just try and bat for as long as possible. Which means that he doesn't take the risks that you expect traditionally from your openers, um, which is why his run scoring is so consistent. When it comes to his bowling, I'd say it's more injury rather than captaincy, which is what keeps him out of the lineup. What I do like as well, they're so thin um, with their bowlers outside of Zampa and NCN in the squad, and particularly with Keyes armor potentially missing from the start of the tournament. He's a guy who, when he does bowl, well, he does bowl at the death um, and could uh, in those periods of the game when you do traditionally pick up wickets. So it's a massive watch. Um, and, you know, as you said, if he is rolling the arm over, he's just about as must-have as you can have in this game.
0: Mm. Are you starting with Mac- Maxi? Are you starting with Maxi at this stage?
2: Well, it's a very good question, and I think that um, the round three double is really starting to play at the back of my mind. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, Tomo. When I compared uh, Maxi, I compared him with those other premium players who are up around that 200k mark. And when you're up around there, you're talking about um, firstly Marnus Labuschagne, who will miss. All- pretty much the entire tournament. Um, And then you've got Majib, who's got the double first up, Tom uh, Tom Curran with the double first up, and then Daniel Sams as well, who's at that premium of over 200K. Now, Out of those people, Majib and Curran, you've got to think they're locks for round one, just given the double game week and being essentially the best bowlers from their two clubs. So it came down to me between Sams and Maxwell. And my thinking about this right now is that Maxwell, we know when he's skipper, he does tend to under bowl himself. Whereas Dan Sams, I think he's got the best role uh, of any super coach player in the game, where he will be definitely getting his four overs, bowls um, up front and at the death. Um, and we will bat six and bat in that power surge as well and potentially get more runs. So I've favoured Sams for now over Maxwell on a very sort of like-for-like like comparison. But i just am thinking at the moment whether or not that's silly just given that there's the need to get Maxwell in for that round three double. So I'm keen for your boys' thoughts. Mm,
0: what have you got there, Tom? Have you got Max in your side, and where do you sit him in comparison to if we're comparing him to Daniel Sams?
1: Yeah. Um, look, currently... I don't, and it makes me a bit nervous. He, look, he can score, he can really score well. Just the price he's at compared to some of the other stars like your Stoinis or your Zampa that are, I think, roughly 30 or so grand cheaper. I think if you're looking to start some stars, the way I've been tinkering and playing around is that you can might be able to start those other players compared to others, and... He, he scores consistently, but I can remember last year that he did score at least one game and had an absolute shocker, whereas I don't think Sam's is as likely to have a shocker. So I can see where you're going. I currently don't have him in my side, but I'm not entirely happy about it, and that might change. As the price is a little bit of a sticking point for me. I'm hoping for a shocker before round three. Mm, yeah,
0: the form he's coming in into this tournament with, he was... Outstanding in the IPL, had some good knocks uh, in the World Cup. There, I just he bowled he bowled twenty nine overs last BBL campaign, which is a lot for a part timer. He's been bowling a fair bit for Australia as well. Um, I think I am just going to stick him in my team, and you know he's the kind of guy that leading into that round three double. If he goes nuts in the first two rounds and people hold off, he could be two fifty k plus uh, going into that and be almost out of hand price wise. Um, as you said, it can go either way, but gee, I, I think he's going to be in my side for the opener. Maxie?
2: Only thing I'd just like to add on the Melbourne Stars as well, when it comes to avoid, um, you really want to avoid big Billy Stanlake. Um, I know that he's he's a type of guy who um, he's got a big name in cricket and rightly so. He did some pretty impressive things when he first burst onto the scene. But buyer beware, 105K. uh, Don't be tempted into adding him as a mid-ranger into your team um, because he is hot garbage.
0: Mm. I had Zamps as my pod in the first podcast we did this season. Uh, and I think about two days later, he took five for, for Australia in the World Cup and just went on to go absolutely nuts. So any chance of getting him as a pod, I think, will... He'll still be a semi-pod because they don't have the, the double to around three, but uh, I think that's sort of gone out the window a little bit. Tomo?
1: Yeah, look, potentially. And I just want to throw another name that I think we need to discuss the stars is Joe Clark. Um, looks like he'll be up the order. He'll be keeping... His Look, he did a very brief stint last year, and I just think, I've got no data to back it up, but I think coming back for a second stint when you know um, a little bit more about the conditions and a few bits and pieces is better than an international signing that's coming in fresh. Um, he, I think the Stars will be a pretty decent team, so if he's keeping wicket, there could be some dismissals there. Uh, at his price and with his point scoring potential, what are you fellows thinking?
0: He's, yeah, he's coming mean I- in good form maxy um what's he he vitality blast and the hundred over in england had 42 27 11 0 10 58 in his last six knocks so coming in in pretty good touch yeah. there 155 strike rate across his t20 career um again another one that will be pretty low ownership a good role in this stars outfit uh, so maxy he's got to be a, a bit of an option he's pretty cheap as well 112k
2: yeah, one twelve k is a great price for a guy who will have his role. Um, and again, when you when you talk about Supercoach BBL, you really want to be looking first and foremost at batters who will bat in the top three, um, and that will be him for the Melbourne Stars as well. So um, he's got all the makings. Um, he's got the role. He's got the form. He's got the gloves as well. Potentially, um, you'd expect. Although they did just announce Peter Neville as a replacement player uh, today, the, the Melbourne Stars to potentially take the gloves. Um, but either way, um, you can get him as a wicketkeeper, and it's certainly a big watch ahead of that round three double.
0: Mm. Nice, mate. Maxie, um, let's jump into the cheapy analysis. Very important topic. There are a fair few options that have emerged, as I said, since the Australian and Australia A squads in particular were named. Uh, there are a lot of decimated big bash squads. We believe it should be for the first three rounds of the competition. Um, so landing those is going to be paramount to success this season, as it is in every fancy sport. Um Mate, who who are the main sort of options that you've come up with? And I think a few of them actually were pretty handy with the bat today across the Marsh Cup and Sheffield Shield.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Timmy. Um, I guess when first when we talk about um, cheapies within BBL Supercoach, there's a couple of things we need to look at. So first is the price point. So what we're looking at is under eighty k. Um, knowing that the starting price is uh, at a minimum is forty two k. Um, and the next main thing that we're going to factor into this is is, is role uh, that these guys are playing on the team. So when you talk about the best roles in Supercoach BBL, um, anyone who's batting in the top three, four at a stretch, um, anyone who's almost guaranteed to bowl their four overs, um, and if you've got an all-rounder who will bat top six and definitely bowl then you're looking at absolute gold and kind of the third and the more intangible um, aspect to this is actually are they any good um, and I'm looking <laughs> at new Charlie Staines if I'm thinking about an NRL equivalent for um, all, the, all the players out there so starting at the top of the list um, a, a guy who will be really popular um, for his price more than anything is Josh Can, Um 42k bat bowl for the Hobart Hurricanes now, he's a Queensland all-rounder um, who has done some impressive things in the off-season um, uh, in winter cricket up in the Northern Territory um, and earned himself a slot in the in the Canes outfit. Um, but the thing that is really good about him is that he's a little bit down the depth chart. Um, I don't think it's likely that he will feature in round one for the Hurricanes and potentially not at all for the season. Um, so he could be a really good loop option um, should you be using that emergency loophole. Um, another couple of names, some some young guys um, who are just getting a bit more mature in their cricket. Caleb Jewell, 62.5K um, batter and wicketkeeper for the Hobart Hurricanes, could slot into number four to start the season because they'll be without Harry Brook, um, who we've listed at number four to start the year. Will Sutherland, another all-rounder. He's actually got COVID at the moment um, ahead of the Victorians. Uh, a couple of games they're playing at the SCG at the moment versus New South Wales. Um, But a bat bowl, uh, bowled a few death overs last year for the Melbourne Renegades and just an improving cricketer who you could expect would do better than last year um, and should potentially hold on to the number seven spot for the Melbourne Renegades, provided he's fit as well. The next couple of names are a few movers and shakers, as you mentioned, Timmy, just with the selections that have come up recently for Australia A and Australia in the Test Series. Um, And I'd love to get your thoughts on these. So the first is Tom Cooper. Um, he's with the Brisbane Heat these days, had a terrible season and was out of the, the side most of last year, but looks at um, being shored up of a position uh, at number four or five to start the year for the Brisbane Heat up there um, due to the presence of Tom Abel in the English line squad. Um, the other good thing about Tom Cooper as well, um, he has in the past been super coach relevant um, and he's their sixth bowling option uh, and with a bit of youth um and immaturity, lack of game time um, in their bowling stocks. Uh, you never know when they might throw the ball to him for a cheap uh, a cheap or quick over. Um, the next one, Matt Jilks, um, really relevant guy from the Sydney Thunder, bat keeper, 62.5K, and the big beneficiary of two things going on at Sydney Thunder. The first was Mekwaj's call-up to the test team, and the second is a broken thumb for Ollie Davies. Jukes opened the batting a couple of years ago for the Sydney Thunder as a real young buck and scored a 50 over in Perth and, and looked pretty decent. Um, he's only gotten better. Uh, he's still only about 22 years of age, I believe, 23 potentially, um, but now looks set to open the batting with Alex Hales for the Sydney Thunder uh, and a perfect guy to have in your squad to potentially earn a bit of cash uh, at a really, really good price. Either of those in your two squads, fellas?
0: Well... A couple of things on that. I think Tommy Cooper, if he does bat at three for that double, I'm sorry, three, at four, which we think you do. In your predicted side, you've got Heaslet to come in at five. I'd imagine Tommy Cooper would come in at four there. Um, as said, with the chance of rolling the arm over, he's not probably the most exciting prospect, but at the price for the round one double, I think you nearly have to have him. Um Go back, it's a while ago now, but he played eight games in the 2016-17 season, averaged 63.3. Now, he had a pretty prominent role with the ball as well, which he may not this time around. But he could be batting higher in the order than he did that season. But there is a super coach player in him. So I think Tommy Cooper's a massive play for round one at 62K. Uh, what do you have, Tomo? Uh, yeah,
1: Tommy Cooper was someone that I briefly considered start starter last year as a possible cheapie, but he never really did anything slash played. So... I just think he might be a bit past it, um, so probably not for me. But Jilks, I can certainly consider um, as a backup with your keeper or even on your batting bench. Thunder are missing some batters. They've got to play someone. He's got a little bit of potential. So, yeah, Jilks is certainly someone high on my radar.
0: Mm, Caleb Jewell, that player that you touched on before. We, we love a bit of Caleb Jewell on this podcast. Uh, some massive runs in the shield the last couple of days for him. So he's come in in form as well. Again, it'll be where where he sits in that batting order. Uh, and there's a few opportunities there. But don't mind Jewel at 62.5K as well. Mate, Aaron Finch is the other obvious one that we sort of, you almost don't need to touch on because, well, we spoke about it on, I think it was last week's podcast, the opportunity to antipod Aaron Finch. And Maxi. we laughed at Tomo. Tomo, have you reneged and you've got that stupid thought out of your mind or are you still thinking of going anti-pod on Finch? Uh, Well,
1: since I – it probably is a little bit ludicrous, but there is that slight injury sort of cloud lingering um, around. So that's Mm. something else to consider there too. Yeah, look, I don't think it's a legitimate option to anti-pod, but, you know, regardless if you're picking someone on your team, you want them to show you a little bit of something or a bit of form. Has any of you got an update on possible injury and return date and things like that? Because um, I haven't heard anything.
2: You know, he was looking to try and prove his fitness for round one, um, but it might be touch and go um, at this phase, uh, they've said. So that's just a big watch.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think that's going to impact a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think the antipod move on Finch. I think it's too big a risk at his price not to have him in your squad and just to free up a stack of cash elsewhere in your salary cap. The antipod move would be just not to put the loop, not to bat him in your starting lineup, not to put him as your loop. Maybe he's another player as the loop option so that if he does go low and people are stuck with that score, um, I think that's the better antipod play than actually leaving me out of your squad entirely. Mate, two other Sydney Sixers players... Uh, that you didn't touch on just yet, but you have them pretty prominent in your rankings of cheapies this season. Ben Manenti and Daniel Hughes at 78 and 76K. Um, what do you like about them?
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I really like Daniel Hughes um, as a cricketer who's in really good touch at the moment in shield and also had a decent start in the one-day match today uh, as well out of the SCG. 78K should bat number three for the Sydney Sixers in their double game week first up. Um, and uh, I, he's the type of guy that um, he, he can score really consistently in BBO in the past, and um, in a couple of games last year, he had a few really big scores. So if you get him at the right time, he will reward you. Um, Menenti, what I like about him, um, first and foremost, is his job security, which has really improved in the last couple of weeks, given the amount of injuries that are, uh, the Sixers are dealing with at the moment. Not only have they lost Sean Abbott to Australia A duty, but Jackson Bird, Ben Dorshus, and potentially Carlos Brathwaite as well, the international signing who was meant to be available for round one. Um, he is now unlikely uh, to play, meaning that Menenti's all but assured of a position in that lineup, um, and also will come up against the Hobart Hurricanes in round two, who he's had a little bit of success against um, just because they've got so many left-handers and, and the Sixers do tend to favour his off-spin bowling um, rather than Stephen O'Keefe as their frontline spinner as well. The other name I've got on here, um, I've got him ranked number three in terms of um, best chief he's seen so far, Harry Nielsen. We could keep her from the Adelaide Strikers. He will take the gloves because of Alex Carey will be unavailable um, on duty. But even uh, with Carey uh, uh, to come back into that side and Matt Renshaw as well, Nielsen may potentially win the opener spot over in Adelaide given that Phil Salt uh, won't be returning this year. Um, that'll see him partner with Jake Weatherald up top. He had a good score last year against the Brisbane Heat with a 53 um, and does take catches behind the stumps as well, meaning he's got a slightly um, higher floor than, than most rookies. Um, kid can play, and I think is the time is now for the strikers to give him a crack at the top of the order.
0: Mm, good shouts, mate. Yeah, we, as it stands, we look pretty lucky in terms of our cheapies. There are plenty of options. There's also two guys on your watch list. You've got Ollie Davies, who's expected to miss... Uh, it's uncertain at this stage, but would he break his hand or something in a Sydney Gray game? And he's going to miss the first few rounds, uh, at least the first three by the sound yep. of it. Joel Parris is the other one who's 62.5K. Uh, another serious option, plenty of talent there. Uh, a little bit of a lingering injury, so we don't know if he's going to be good to go yep. for the start of the tournament, but both uh, certainly ones for the watch list, aren't they, Maxie.
2: Yeah, they are. And two more names as well that have even emerged uh, even today. Um, Matt Short, uh, who is 62.5K from the Adelaide Strikers, he's likely to bat in the top four um, and will be their sixth bowling option as well. Um, and Tom Rogers, uh, signed by the Hobart Hurricanes this week, um, could be firming for that number 7 spot to start the season over there. Um, reason I haven't included them in the article is that third intangible that we're looking at apart from price and role is skill. Um, and I'm not really convinced on either of those two blokes who are actually going to do much um, if they step onto the field. So um, we'll throw out the names and give you some time to make your own analysis of them. Um, but, yeah, that's the cheapies that we're looking at so far.
0: Tommy Rogers is actually my my very rare uh, cricketing claim, claim to fame. Played a bit, bit against him in the Canberra Con back in the day and hit him over his head for six and bowled him in the same game. Uh, He went on to play Big Bash and Sheffield Shield. I went on to play for Coffee's Hotel in Cooma. So, yeah, didn't really make much of that one. But uh, (laughs) it's it's a claim at least, so I'll take it. Hey, mate. And just the other one to quickly touch on, there are so many of them. And again, it's all going to be about those round one teams. And a lot of them them are batsmen to see where they're going to sit in that order. Um, But Fraser McGurk and Mac Harvey, who have both, as a result of injuries, international selections, a few other things, they're looking at batting four and five for the Renegades, we think.
2: Yeah, I would say so. Um, the issue with the Renegades roster is they've just got so many people vying for those um, spots at the top of the order. Um, you've got the likes of Sam Harper, whose best position is opening, Aaron Finch, Sean Marsh, who's currently injured, um, Chand, the Indian International, who they've signed as well as an opening bat, Um what the? It's a big watch, I guess, for that Finch injury because if if we do see that injury, that could pave the way for um, either Mac Harvey um, or Jake Fraser McGurk to open the batting. But at the moment, I've got them at four at five, which is just that tough role for Super Coach. Mm. We know where um, it's very hot and cold.
0: Yeah. No, good stuff, mate. Full yarn on the website. So if you want to see, there's a few more names listed on there and a bit more analysis. So get on there and check it out. Guys, if you do like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Uh, absolutely stunning site. Great stuff. Great odds there. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the BBL season and hopefully clean them up. So uh, get on board that. If you do want to join up, use the code SC Playbook. 18+, plus, of course, and gamble responsibly. Boys, let's move on to the Melbourne Renegades. And, Tom, I'll start with you. Who do you like over at the Gades?
1: Yeah, the Renegades, who are coming off a fairly average season last year. I suppose we need to see some improvement and them to be performing better as a team uh, before we commit to, to move their players. It's not rocket science, but teams that win games, score runs, take wickets, take catches, etc., etc., et cetera. They're the ones that usually score pretty well. Look, I won't waste too much time, but Finch... Um, if he's playing, he's going to be in lots and lots and lots and lots of people's sides. Surely he opens that batting after that very brief number three experiment last year. Uh, Kane Richardson is someone who I think at the right time of the year you've got to consider. Um, if they get more games back at Marvel, which can be a venue that is a bit up and down, bowlers can sometimes uh, have the better at batsmen he could do well. Also, if the Renegades improve and he's bowling with a bit more of a target, that will only increase his chances and he bowls the right sort of um, overs. Look, I think that um, a couple of the cheapies that Maxi mentioned are sort of certainly um, I've got to have a look at or monitor. Will Sutherland, you know, all-rounder. Um, he was tried as that death option at times last year and he's youngish, so will continue to improve. I can remember in particular one game against the Sixers where he couldn't quite execute and mm. that worked in the Sixers' favour and I was happy about that, but I always just kept it my the back of my mind that if they persist and he um, keeps on improving his skill and craft, then he could be someone, especially at his price. And um, Jake Fraser-McGwerp as well, he's talented. He got a taste last year. I think from memory he opened in one match and didn't do much, but with possible injury to Finch, we're not quite sure marsh out for an extended period madison involved with other games someone's got to be up there and then someone that i'm not quite sure whether where he would fit in or what his sort of role is but james patterson look tear quicks can have games where they score massive oling bowling four overs but is there a chance of rest or injury i'm not sure so there's a few people from the renegades but i would like to see them improve as a team before i got too committed to too many
0: Yep. No buy this season for them. They have the double in round 11. Uh, As you said, a lot of the side are basically cheapy watch. I think for me, most of these guys are sit back, watch their round one game, get an idea of what what the batting lineup will be like, who bowls what, all that sort of stuff, all the important information that we'd only be guessing at to a large degree at this stage. You touched on a few key options there. And another one that Look, I'm not going to gamble on him in round one, but he is a guy I'm going to have a close eye on. He's Muhammad Nabi, who absolutely sublime form over in the World Cup for Afghanistan there. Get a load of this for his scoring. 14 against the Kiwis, 35 against India, 32 not out against Namibia, 35 not out against Pakistan, 11 not out against Scotland, 6 not out in a warm-up against the Windies, and 34 not out in a warm-up against the South Africans. So he averaged about 82 or something over that period. Uh, should be relatively prominent with both bat and ball Maxie, what are your thoughts on the Gades? I said you've already touched on most of them being cheapies off the back of a disappointing last season. Um, but probably Nabby and Richardson in particular for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think the the thing that's counting against the Renegades is their inconsistent home ground, their terrible record over the last two years. Um, And the fact that they don't have a double until so late in the season, which means that you can pretty much safely ignore most of these players and they're not necessarily going to come back and bite you. Um, Nabi is a great one. Um, and I compare his role to that of Dan Christian in the sense that he won't really bat higher than that number six um, for the Melbourne Renegades. And he's also that, only that sixth best bowling option that they have as well, which means that some games he's going to come off and be absolutely famous. Um, and some games he's not going to do anything um, and you're barely going to notice that he's, he's out there. I think when, you, when, you, when that's all said and done, You look at Dan Christian's starting price, 180K, played that role to perfection last season, and Naby's 140K, which is just sort of that difference in class there. So Mm. he's a a rocks or diamonds guy. You you can get lucky if you pick him at the right time. But um, as I said, I won't be looking too hard um, at him or, or the rest of their team to start the season. One thing I just would love to call out, um, Sean Marsh, he will be missing up until around the Christmas break um, with a soft tissue injury, and at his age these things are definitely going to happen. But you look at price, you look at role, um, and he's ticking both boxes at 106k to start the year. Um, And he's also a man who uh, a couple of seasons ago possessed um, the highest average in the competition. Um, He's an absolute T20 superstar and was in pretty fine form to start the summer. So just a name to keep in the back of your mind um, as the season does get about to that halfway point and um, that picking him up in your squad, um, it could be a good calculated risk to take.
0: Mm, yep, huge uh, huge watch for Podhunters late in the season there when he comes back. He said, we think around probably the Christmas, New Year period. Tomo, anything to add there?
1: Yeah, the chat on Narby is a good call. And I remember picking him in my side last year um, in, t- in anticipation for a Renegades double And he was a bit disappointing for me. Um, Two years ago, he did some really solid things. But I remember when he was bowling, he was expensive and got whacked to all parts of the ground. Um, With the bat, he looked scratchy and didn't really get going. I think what does work in his favour this year is that he's there for an extended part of the tournament. Last year, he only had a small portion and he never really got going. So the fact that he's here for a longer part of the tournament, is going to work in his favour this year.
0: Yep, yeah, good stuff, mate. Uh, moving on to the Perth Scorchers, who have a red hot lineup, or at least they did until the Australian and Australia A sides were named. They are now pretty decimated for at least the first three rounds of the tournament. Uh, this should get the Australia A players back from round four onwards, which is their first double of the season. They have the double in round four and then in round nine, followed by by in round 11. So they'll be hot property. Probably more so when they get to full strength. Um, but again, for that round four double, they'll be they'll be hot property. Um, Tomo, who are the players you like there? Because when they're all on deck, when we're talking Jai Richardson's Mitch Marsh, Ashton Agar's, Josh Inglis, they are there are so many super coach weapons in that side. But for the opening stage of the tournament, uh, they're not, are they?
1: no they're not so the four guns the four locks for um, a variety of reasons whether it was role form price overall point scoring ability are the four that aren't going to be available for the first bit of the season and looking at the rosters that we've got on our website uh, available at the moment it doesn't look that great on paper that roster and um, i think they might fall behind early and even when those guns return like you've got to play their best cricket and there's not a lot of room for error um those four players were going to be in a lot of people's teams and when they come back marsh agar inglison richardson if he did come back at all towards the end they'll be very very popular so looking at that current lot current lineup on our website there's a bit of caution needed i think there's no one that i could say they're an absolute gun of course there's some handy players in there i think the batting to me looks a bit shaky if they were going to score runs i think it comes down to colin munro um, if the perth score any decent targets you expect him to get a lot of the runs so potentially could be one there um, in terms of bowling tie bowls at the right sort of stage he's a genuine improvement wicket taker for a long time last year he was in my team and he was good and as the tournament went on, he got better and better and better. The thing about Ty is there's always that threat, a bit like Daniel Sams, a bit like Tom Curran. There's that threat to really take a bag and score some ball points at the end when the other team is swinging. Um, one thing I'm conscious of is that they've got a lot of bowling options missing. Um, if they get a cheap bowler, perhaps Kelly or someone like that, they could have a bit of job security and could score some points. One player that I'm not interested in at the moment is Aaron Hardy. Um, He could be an all-rounder replacing Mitchell Marsh, but he's coming, uh, he's recovering from injury, and he would really need to be bowling four overs for me to consider. He's batting at six and seven and only playing as a batsman. He's not someone that I could have in my side.
0: Yep. Hey, Maxie, I'll get your thoughts on the scorches there. And again, a few players in particular. My first question for you is, um, is who do you think will bowl at the death for them? Because I would assume with Jai Richardson out, it'll be Ty and Berendorf. Let's say, I mean, if that is right, and you agree there, when let's say hypothetically, Richo comes back for that round four double, he's in the Australian squad, so we don't really know if he'll be released or when or what the plans are there. But if Richo does come back in, who do you think bowls the death with uh, with Jai Richardson?
2: Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, I don't think we're going to see Jai Richardson in Scorchers colours this season, unfortunately. Um, I think he's probably the next cab off the rank in the test team um, if someone, yeah. one of those fast bowlers is to get injured. He'll probably carry the drinks um, throughout the summer, and I don't think that Scorchers fans will be um, uh, seeing him in their colours, which is unfortunate. Um, but you make a good point about death bowling. Um, Andrew Ty, we know what he does. I don't think it'll be Berendorf. Um, he's much better up front swinging the ball and uh, maybe through the middle overs. The guy who has done it in the past for him is actually Matt Kelly. Um, he actually did it so well two years ago that he got himself an IPL call up to uh, KKR now, when you think about death bowling, one of the best roles in Supercoach, it's a huge watch on him, given that he's only going to be 101k. And even when you talk about adding in those players who will be coming back from Australia, I think that that's a role that he could hold for the whole season. So, Kelly and Berend- uh, Kelly and Ty for that death bowling role.
0: Mm, that's a huge watch there on Kelly, then. Mate, anyone else in that, uh, that lineup interest you?
2: Yeah, thanks, Timmy. I I guess just to build on Tomo's point, um, with those big three uh, players coming back from Australia A, right for that double, it does mean that there will be blokes who are potentially traps that you'd want to make sure that you don't have in your team for that double. Um, And there's two names that particularly come to mind whose roles I think will be severely impacted, um, and they are Cameron Bancroft um, and uh, Ashton Turner. Bancroft, I think that he can open the batting to start the season um, without Josh Inglis on hand. Um, and it's a role that he may keep, but he will lose the gloves. Um, and he's also a guy who's a bit unproven in the format. Um, he, he batted well in the final last year for Perth Scorchers against the Sixers uh, while opening the batting. But um, don't be lulled in. Just, just keep an eye on him before you go sort of adding him into your squad ahead of that double. And the other guy is Ashton Turner. Now, with the lack of bowling options that they've got, they've only really got four recognized bowlers fit and able to play in that round one team. Andrew Tyre, Jason Berendorf, Matt Kelly, and Peter Hatzeglou, who who's come over. Turner really becomes that sixth bowler um, to potentially roll the arm over for his off spin. He's a guy who, in the past, as a junior, was a really talented off spin bowler. Um, but of late, he's very, very, very much part time. So it might look attractive that you've got a guy who's potentially um, rolling the arm over. But the moment that Ashton Agar comes back into that lineup, um, there goes any need for him to provide that role, um, and there goes Mitch Marsh and um, uh, Josh English batting above him in the lineup as well, and he he will be in that five or six position, which is, again, is sort of trap city um, and why he's only 84K. So just to be just a big caution um, on those two players. They might look – even if they do really well in those first three games, just be aware that those roles will be impacted when those other guys come back for round four.
0: Yeah, be very wary of that one. Great shouts there, mate. Boys, let's jump into a few questions before we wrap up the podcast for the week. And I will start with you, Maxie. A question coming in from Ian Bird on the socials, wanting some predictions. Who will be the top run scorer and wicket taker in the tournament and who will take home the trophy?
2: Yeah, good call, and uh, thanks, Ian, for the question, mate. Um, I think I'm going to be pretty boring with this, um, and my thinking is that it's going to be guys who are available for the whole tournament. So leading run scorer, I've got Josh Philippi, Leading wicket taker, I've got Daniel Sams. And provided they don't get off to too slow a start and can make the final, I reckon the Perth Scorchers have got the squad to take it out with all those guns uh, coming back, and that's even without Jai Richardson. What do you guys reckon?
0: What have you got, Tomo?
1: Look, I've got to pick the Sydney Sixers. There's a bit of bias evident there, but I have to pick them. I think it's really got to be them or the Stars. They look pretty good on paper in terms of the sides they formulated. I'd be really surprised if it was anywhere else at this stage. Uh, Runs, I'm going to go Stoinis and Wickets. I think Zampa's in pretty good form. I'm going to go Zampa for leading Wicket taker.
0: Mm, Good stuff, mate. I had – look, I initially had the Scorchers as my top pick um, probably didn't think it through enough regarding Richardson. And and I'm with you, uh, the more I listen, Maxie, I'm really against you. But I I think Jai Richo is next cab off the rank for the Australian Test side. Um, so there's every chance a player, one of the quicks will get rested throughout the Ashes series anyway, uh, particularly if there's any sort of twinges or niggles there. So no Richo in that team makes me think that, only, again, again, that's not confirmed, it's only speculative, but if he plays a very limited role in the tournament Oh, that's massive out for the Scorchers. So I'm not as convinced they'll win it. I'm going to go for the Melbourne Stars as well. That lineup is absolutely stacked. They're not too impacted by any of the Australian or England squad selection. So they should keep a pretty steady roster coming into the tournament. And I mean, they've been perennial letdowns in the past, but I just look at their roster. I think they probably, probably deserve to be pretty close to favorites going into it. I've got Jason Berendorf. I'm a massive fan of him. As the leading wicket-taker, I'm just hoping he can string a whole tournament together and remain injury-free, which would be great to see. Although, the fact that you've mentioned he may not bowl any of the death uh, is obviously a concern in that regard. Top run scorer, Matty Wade, for me, a little bit boring, but uh, there's just a serious class factor, and Matty Wade drops back to the Big Bash, so that's what I'm going with. Maxie?
2: Good call, Timmy. And I'll read out Ian's uh, answers as well, which he was uh, generous enough to, to send in. Uh, he reckons Marcus is for leading run scorer, Nathan Ellis uh, for leading wicket taker, and the Hobart Hurricanes to take out their first championship.
0: Yeah. The Birdman. Like it. I love the Canes prediction. Um, Boys, moving on to question two from KW. How many wicket keepers is too many? Max, I think you've looked into this quite a bit and chop and changed your decision. So how many wicked keepers is too many? Uh, any backup keeper picks?
2: I don't think that wicked keepers is something that you can have enough of, uh, to be frank. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why. Firstly, just they're in the game. Their ability is to, to take Catches means that there's always a chance of getting bonus points. Um, the other thing that having more than two wicket keepers does as well and sort of stashing one in your uh, batters really allows you to rotate um, effectively between your reserves um, when you're trying to do batting loops um, or even captain loops. Um, at the moment, I've got three, um, and if Inglis was available for, um, for round one, I'd have four. Um, I don't think you can have enough of them, and and, and I want five as well because <laughs> I don't have Matt Wade, and I would love to have him.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Question from Sam Jones asking, can you loop a batsman or a bowler without changing your captain? If so, how is it done? Round by round, he says, it seems more complicated than the NRL captaincy looping. Also, could you explain the emergency auto-emergency differences between NRL Supercoach and BBL Supercoach? Cheers, legends. So on that one, just quickly, it is, uh, it's is—it's very different to NRL Supercoach, so it is a big factor uh, that we'll, we'll probably touch on again next week as well, but let's cover it now because you've thrown the question in. In NRL Supercoach, and I believe it's also different to AFL Supercoach, but in NRL Supercoach, your loop option, you only get one loop, so and it goes to your lowest scoring player across your entire bench, regardless of position. Big Bash is very different in that you get an auto emergency for each position being. Wicketkeeper, batsman, and bowler. So effectively, you get three cracks at looping uh, in Supercoach Big Bash. So worth noting, uh, captaincy doesn't matter in terms of auto-emergency. Captain looping, obviously, yeah, you need – it is the same as the NRL Supercoach in terms of captaincy looping. Uh, Your vice-captain has to play first in the round, and if they go big, you have to take it off the captain and and put it on a non-player. Um so hopefully that uh makes it a little bit easier for you. But yeah, the key thing is that you get three cracks at auto emergency uh provided you have the players to do it in each given week. So if that doesn't make any sense, just hit us up again and we'll uh we'll clarify that for you across social media. A question from Murray Wood for you, Tomo. Pros and cons of James Vince? Yeah,
1: it's a good question because he's not someone that I'd considered heavily, but when I did a little bit of looking to answer this question, um There's a lot of pros and not many cons. The pros to me as a Sixers fan as well, what he did in the final series last year was just unbelievable. Mm. He'd shown flashes of that before, but to put it together on the big stage shows he's a quality player. He's playing for a team that we think is going to be pretty decent. Um, He's done it before last year in the BBL, so there's no unknown factor like a lot of the other internationals. So there's a lot of things going for him. The sixes schedule is another big tick. Um, the cons, I suppose, is you don't want to have too many pure batting options in your team. So if you're tossing up players like Lin, Enriquez, Stoinis if he's not bowling as such, you don't want to have too many. So it probably depends on who else you want in your site. And another one is his starting price. I don't have the figures in front of me, but I think he was 50 or 60 grand cheaper last year. So um, mm. Those are two cons, but like there's, he's not a bad shout at all.
0: Yeah, I think he started from memory maybe around about 100k last year. 153k to start this season. Second top run scorer in the tournament last year with an average of 38.5, Strike rate of 143. So if you're aiming around double, as you said, mate, he comes into the tournament in some pretty serious, oh, some decent form in the Vitality Blast and the hundred scores of two six four. 45 not out, 13 and 53. So um, he could be a, a semi-pod for the round one double, and we know what he's capable of. Had scores of 133 and 145 to finish last season. So a uh, serious option there. And one lucky last question from Murray Wood again for both of you boys. He says, pick one and why. Sam's short or stoyness? Maxi.
2: Ooh, very good question. Um, I still would love to do a little bit more research into Darcy Short given that he's cheaper than he's ever been um, in the past and I, I don't know how Matt Wade has used his bowling there. Um, the other two, uh, Sams and Stoinis, um, I like Dan Sams. He's sort of at that price where he's going to be a little bit of a pod because people won't really be able to justify it without an early double. Um, I also just think, as I said before, he's got the best role in Supercoach. Um, batting number six uh, in a team where he will also float in the order and come in late to slog boundaries um, and and get to that twenty, get the, the the strike rate bonus and take wickets up front like proven wicket taker. Um, I just think he's amazing, um, and I think that you know he he's a guy that once you've got in your team and you'll feel better about it.
0: Yeah, if mate, who? Let's say the 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 thunder are one for one hundred and fifty, and there's a wicket falls or whatever. There's five overs to go. Primary pinch are, Would they bring in Sam's or Cutting?
2: Oh, absolutely, Dan Sam's every day of the week. I yeah. think what he has uh, done in the last couple of years um, has has just been amazing. And he showed last year against the Brisbane Heat um, down in Canberra where he he took about sixty odd off about. Thirty rocks and took Ben Lachlan pretty much into retirement. Um, <laughs> he's he's just unbelievably strong and classy. Um, played some good shots today again for New South Wales in the One Day Cup. Um, he's the
1: man for sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: who have you got there, Tomo, Sam Short or the Stoin?
1: Yeah, it is a it's a ripper question, uh, there's pros and cons to each of them.
0: If I had to rate them
1: one, two, three um, for picking a starting team, I'm going to go one, Darcy Short. I reckon Matty Way will bowl in a decent amount, and I reckon his batting will pick up compared to last year, so he could be very underpriced. Two, I'm going to go Stoinis, the round three double. Even with the question mark over bowling, I reckon he might sneak an over or two, and hopefully even more. I'm going to put three Sams, and he's an absolute gun, and his price reflects that. I think you would want to wait. Hopefully he has an off week or two, and that price comes down a bit and then you pounce because he's an absolute gun.
0: Very good, mate. Uh, massive, massive implications as well. Those three can all go huge, can all falter on their day. So at the top price tag, uh, big decisions to be made ahead of round one. That's it for the podcast this week. Fellas, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll drop our full teams in those lineups, talk about that and a few key questions heading into round one uh, before the season starts. Tomo, thanks, mate.
1: Cheers, and I'll see you again soon.
0: Beauty, mate. Thanks, Maxie.
1: Timmy, pleasure.
2: Thanks to all the listeners as well for tuning in.
0: Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.